You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. My name is Josh Sherby. I'm on the launch team at ARC, and this is a church planning app session we're doing today called Recruiting for a Large Launch. It's part of our church planning series that we're going to do. We have two amazing pastors with us at Launch with ARC. We have Mark Francie right here. Give him a hand, all right? What's up? What's the city that you're in? San Juan Capistrano. San Juan Capistrano. Wow, how about that? Yeah. And then uh, we have Adam Magana from. Yeah. Is it Active Church? Yeah, Active Church. Active yeah. Church. And you're in San Luis Obispo. You got it, man. So y'all got some really cool names for your cities. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a second and talk a little bit more about uh, how they connected with ARC and launching their church. Uh, but I also want to introduce two other very important people in the room. We have Mark Cleary back here. Hey. He is the director of church planning for ARC. He's my boss. And uh, if you could just really clap and laugh at my jokes and clap really loud and, you know, just tell him how great of a job I'm doing, that'd be awesome. And then we have uh, Isaiah Duncan right here. You give him a hand. He works at ARC. So he's a missionary kid. His parents launched a church in a Muslim country using our model. Uh, with, and now I think they're over 700. It's on to have 1,000 people at their church in a Muslim country. Wow. Incredible. Pretty phenomenal. Incredible. So he came to Highlands College, interned with ARG, and uh, now he's helping us with the resources and reporting that we do with church planners. So uh, it's, a, it's an honor that you guys would choose to spend uh, a couple days at the ARG conference and then come to this app session. We're just really, really pleased to have you. Uh, I just want to see who's in the room real quick before I let these guys talk for a minute. Um, who here has already started a church or you're currently a senior pastor? Can I see your hand? Anybody? Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you for what you're doing. Who has a desire uh, someday to start a church? Anybody in here? Okay, wow. This, you're who we want to talk to. And uh, who else have we got here? Leader in the church? What? Who's right in the middle of it? Okay, who's right in the middle of it? Okay, awesome. Yeah, got to see a one hour church plan for sure. Okay, great. Well, we're glad you guys are here. I'm going to let them tell a little bit about their story and starting a church, and we'll start right here with, with Mark. Awesome. Well, it's great to meet everybody. Uh, I want to thank uh, Josh and, and Amy. If you guys are going through ARC, these are some of the nicest people, uh, most accommodating people. We did our ARC intensive, I think it was uh, it was November 2017, and his wife, Amy, I think she might trace her lineage back to Gabriel Michael. Uh, she's an angel, such a sweet lady, and so uh, make sure if you're going through ARC to get to know these guys, they'll take good care of you. But uh, yeah, my story is I'm from, uh, I've been married now for uh, 14 years, so coming on 14 years next week. And uh, we, we, I married a pastor's daughter, uh, Boise, Idaho is where her dad's church was at. And I got saved in the church. I, I got baptized, released to leadership. So 17 years in one church. We knew that one day we'd start a church, kind of a lot of divine things that pointed to uh, where we ended up moving. So we moved from Boise, Idaho to the state of California, which makes us the only people to ever do that. Uh, everybody moves from California to Idaho. And so uh, we moved down here uh, April 10th of, uh, or excuse me, May 10th of 2018. We launched our church September 16th of last year. We just turned one years old. And uh, this Sunday, we're actually dedicating the building that God gave us. Uh, and we're celebrating our one year as a, as a church. And so that's a little bit of our story. Yeah, it's awesome. Hey guys, uh, my name is Adam Magana. I pastor Active Church in San Luis Obispo, California. And we, uh, my wife Stacy and I, we, uh, we felt like in 2015, we felt called to the Central Coast. Uh, we both gotten saved at a large church in Bakersfield, California. We were serving, we were, um, became, on, became staff members of our Vegas campus. So we were in Vegas for six years. And uh, in 2014, we lost a baby. Um, 
came stillborn. And uh, sometimes God uses stuff like that to get your attention. And uh, we went to the Central Coast. We scattered his ashes. And it was in that season we felt like God kind of whispered to us, hey, I'm not going to waste his pain. And I told Stacy, we got it right into the car after we scattered our son's ashes. I said, look, I believe that I feel like we're supposed to be here. And she said, me too. Uh, a year later, we were having lunch. Uh, I was having a lunch with a friend named Joe Pena in Las Vegas who had planted a church. Uh, and he says, man, I just think you're supposed to plant a church in San Luis Obispo. And uh, I remember going home. You know when someone calls something out in you and immediately you're like, no, no, no. And then you're like, but you can't get out of your mind. Yeah. It's like that first time you had a leader kind of grab you by the neck and say, I see something in you, Mark. I see, I see this in you. Yeah. And, and the minute that he said that, I got, it was like, he goes, people are going to, you're going to plant a church in San Luis Obispo and a bunch of people are going to come and it's going to be awesome. And you're going to remember this lunch forever. It was like a providential moment. So that year we went to ARC conference to 2015 and it was here in Anaheim. And we, uh, we had a couple people we talked to and, and the ARC just started believing in us. And it was Michael Smith, Michael W. Smith that said something, sparked us, uh, sparked a little kind of, a little flame became like a, a, a roaring fire in our hearts to plant a church that would reach people where they were at in the Central Coast, to be a life-giving church that people could come to, that people could bring their friends to. And so we started our journey. And in 2017, we moved to, uh, we spent six months at Pastor Randy Bizet's church in Florida. Uh, best six months of my life. If you can get around a church, life-giving church culture for a little while and just absorb That's and great. learn and lean in, do it. Um, and we spent six months there, January 2017, we parachuted in, as they say, to San Luis Obispo, California. Didn't know a single soul. Uh, after about six months, we had about 90 people on our team. We launched the church, 417 people showed up, 29 people said yes to Jesus, and we've been going and going ever since. So to God be the glory. Amen? Yeah. Awesome. You, you can tell these guys are uh, amazing leaders and also some of the best communicators. I'm telling you, this guy, Mark Francie, is one of the funniest guys out there. You need to get on his podcast. You have a podcast? You got anything we can give him? Uh, the website? It's Ocean's Church. Ocean's Church. Okay. He's, he's being um, super humble today. But anyway, I just really appreciate you guys doing this. Seriously, um, I'm inspired by y'all. Thank y'all for being a part of this and helping us out today. So uh, what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes and just uh, do some q and I know a lot of times I do Q&A at the end. I want to start with it, just mix it up a little bit. So I'm going to throw some questions out there and uh, let you guys um, answer one or both if you want to, okay? So what best prepared you for church planning and or recruiting? What best prepared you for church planning that you did in ministry leading up to, to launching? I'll take that, yeah. yeah cool. uh, how many of you guys have ever done youth ministry? Hey! Hey! <laughs> I mean, ever have try to hold a conversation with an awkward seventh grader? Raise your hand. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of selflessness. It takes a lot of, uh, I would say, self awareness. I'm a three. I'm on the Enneagram, so um, I've always been kind of, and I always have an empathetic heart towards people that are not in, that want to be in, but can't be in. I was that kid in seventh grade that everyone else shot up, and I was like, still, you know, four foot nothing, and and I'm like, man, I, I want to be. I, I played sports growing up, and so I always knew the sense of team, but I also had that sense of like. Those are the kind of cooler kids, and I, I wish I was there. And I always had that sense of, like, I want to bring people in. I want to bring people into something that they're not part of yet. And so in youth ministry, I was always looking for the kid that was like, yeah, I had my kids that were like, you know, the influencers, and I, I wasn't silly because I wanted to make sure that the pastor was happy with what I was doing. So I was leveraging those relationships, and I was pouring into those kids that really help you move that ministry forward. But I think for us in that season of learning how to love people that were maybe hard to love, and being inclusive in youth ministry and making sure that everyone felt like they were loved and connected, 
I think that helped us in the, in the launch season because you are going to be around a bunch of people that you would never really do life with normally. Like there's people that, the guy that works at CVS, the guy that's kind of awkward and all of a sudden you're like, dude, where do you go to church? He's like, I don't go to church. And you're like, you should come to our church, our interest social. And all of a sudden that guy brought like four people because he's grown up in that city. So I think learning how to see the people that are longing for relationship in youth ministry kind of helped us as we transitioned to that. Like, sure. how can we help people feel like this is a place to belong, not just a place for people that we want to hang out with. So, yeah. it's great. Yeah. great. Mark? Yeah, I think uh, I think the, the greatest the greatest uh, man life lesson that helped us in the very beginning. I think was we leveraged just how we we learned how to be faithful with other people's sheep. Yes, that's right. Uh, we served in the church prior. This would be a big point that I, I would I would make mention of. I think it's really important that when you're starting something new, that you make sure you finish whatever you're doing strong. So I think a lot of guys think that they're going to help God out by getting out of their church a little bit sooner to start a little bit quicker. Um, to have a little bit more of a runway to do more things for Jesus. And our story is, is my pastors basically said, Hey, you guys can go in 2015. They gave us a thumbs up. They said, we'll bless you guys. But my brother-in-law was just getting ready to take over the church. And, uh, he said, Mark, we'll bless you tomorrow. And I said, well, Chris, this is what got put in my heart. He said, you know, I understand that not everyone comes from a, a healthy, maybe a church culture, maybe where you're at isn't a really dynamic environment. But, uh, for us, we were fortunate enough to go like, this is a pretty good environment that we were working with family. And I just told my brother-in-law, I said, Chris, if you could have it your way, like McDonald's, come on. Uh, if you could have it your way um, and choose when we leave and how we leave, what would you want us to do? And, and this is basically the wisdom that I learned from my, my pastors is they said, Mark, if you'll make decisions with our best interest at mind, the church that's sending us, and you make decisions with our best interest at mind, the church that's being sent, You'll do it better than anyone's ever done it. Wow. And for us, we never seen anybody leave a church. We weren't really a church sending type of church. And so we never seen someone leave, leave healthy. It was always out of division. Wow. It was always out of strife. Someone's power hungry, not happy, uh, disgruntled. And so we wanted to make sure that we were leaving healthy, leaving the church healthy. And I really do believe for us, I mean, as I mentioned, we're able to move into this, this phenomenal building. 12, we moved in a week before we turned one into our own facility. And I'm not, and I really do believe that God made up. So we stayed two extra years um, that we could have left earlier. But I really do believe that. Listen, I, I really believe this: that you'll never, you're never wasting time by honoring the request of the people you're serving under. Because if you can steward someone else's ministry well, it says that you'll you'll never have your own filled until you're faithful in another man's. And so I just think that we don't talk a lot about that in the church planning world, but I do think that the guys that seem to have the really fast growth are the ones a lot of times I think that start healthy. Yeah. And so that'd be something I would just say before I even, to the best of your ability, you know, Peter says to do your very best to live at peace with all people. And so try to leave as well as you can, because I think God will make up that time. You know, uh, we need to give him a hand for that answer. That was awesome. That was perfect. And I honestly believe that's the best recruiting strategy that there is. Yeah. It's, you know, people ask me from time to time, hey, I want to plant a church one day. What do I need to do? And my, they, they're thinking, oh, you need to preach more. You need more, you need more opportunity to oversee a budget. Yeah. But my answer to them most of the time, not most of the time, all the time is be faithful where you are. Yeah. Uh, a long track record will set you up for success. We're doing so good, another yeah. app session later on on fundraising. And the reason why we chose people we did for fundraising is not because they're good fundraisers. They're actually, some of them, terrible fundraisers. <laughs> but what happened was is they were 
very faithful at their church, so they left very blessed, and that church connected them with other people. That yeah, gave them exactly. money, and they didn't have to do any fundraising. Exactly. And I think both of you guys did the hard work before launching. You know, uh, a lot of times church planners also ask us, they'll come, and they, and they may not be quite ready yet, even though they're great leaders, and we'll say, hey, have, can you consider taking a little more time before you launch? And that is a very hard ask. But every time I ask a pastor, I think about Adam Magana, who moved from Arizona Right, Las Vegas, Las Vegas, yeah. Nevada, to uh, t- uh, Tampa, Florida, or what is yeah, Bra- Bradenton. Bradenton yeah. So Bradenton, South Tampa, uh, moved to Florida for six months, yeah. and then moved back across the country to California. That was a huge sacrifice. You had you had uh, two kids, two kids, yeah. Yeah. wife, family to support, and uh, but you were faithful somewhere else, yeah. and it multiplied a hundred times over. Awesome. And just to follow up with you, know, maybe we could talk a little bit about your timeline because you staying late actually gave you a very short runway yeah. to launch a church. Can you talk about the months leading up and how short it was and how that all worked out? Yeah, yeah. And I love what you said because I do think that when you leave right, your, your pastor, even he'll get out and other pastors in the area will find out that you're, you're doing it honorably. It'll be easier for you to raise money for your launch. We were starting a church in South Orange County, really expensive place to live. Really, really expensive place to start a church. So we had a launch budget. We were shooting for like $315,000 was what we were trying to raise. Uh, We were able to, I think we raised about 150 pretty quickly. The second half was a little bit more difficult. But I literally, we announced our church that we were, to to everybody in January, that we were going to start a church in September. So we had nine months from everyone finding out about it to us starting the church. And I traveled extensively from basically January all the way until August, uh, trying to raise that $315,000. And I think we did, we we ended up raising it. uh, I think we raised like $320,000 or something like that in that time period. But I travel. So in my in-laws, because that's, you know, one of the pros and the the cons of uh, when you when you have family and ministry, anybody, anybody related to people that you uh, you're you're pastoring with, right? Okay. So you understand you feel this pain. Uh, but we wanted to make sure you can't screw that up because you're spending Thanksgiving together. Uh, so you want to make sure you do this right. And so we uh, they they requested they said we want to see our grandkids, our granddaughter, finish up the school year in Idaho. So you know our which again I I'm, drink whatever Kool Aid they're selling. Um, because they, they know their stuff, but that was the one thing we had to do to honor the request of where we were was to stay until the school year finished, which was the end of April. Thank God it was like, it was the first week of May that we stayed. And so, um, what that did though, is we weren't able to live in our city for six months or a year, like some guys, 10 years, uh, before they start the church, we actually only had a, uh, about a four month runway. And because I was traveling so extensively, I traveled, I think it was 45 days out of the four months that we that were leading up to our launch. So I was only on the ground for two and a half months before we started our church. We launched with right around 400 people. Um, and I really, this this what I would say is, uh, I think that what really helped us was, uh, remind me the original. Uh, well, how did that translate the time you spent there to uh, the four months leading up? How did that help you in those four months? So when we got down on the ground, just a couple of things that really helped us dramatically um, was number one, if, you're, if you want to write some of this stuff down, I think that developing a rhythm is very important when you get on the ground. Uh, as far as, because when you move somewhere new, if you're parachuting in, you don't know where the pharmacy's at, you don't know where the dentist's at, you don't know where you're going to work out, you don't know which bank you're going to deposit your money at, you have no idea anything. So I would encourage you when you scout out your city, find the places that you're going to be in rhythm at every week. When you establish a rhythm, it helps you acclimate to the city much faster. 
Uh, find a pediatrician for your doc for your kids. Find find out where you're going to get your prescriptions filled. Uh, find your rhythm. So that's what we did. And then the second part with that is, I think that once you establish your 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 rhythm in the city, it actually helps you recruiting the people that you are to come in contact with on an ongoing regular basis. And so uh, I don't know. That's great. It. Yeah, it's kind of simple. No, yeah, I think you just you you stayed longer than most people would, which gave you a shorter runway, but you still launched with 400 people. So I think I think that says it. And can, is you, anything you want to say about going to Bradenton, how that helped you in the church planning process? Yeah, I'll, yeah. Um, so we're, as you guys all know, you're here because you're looking for a couple things. You want you want some maybe some resource uh, to kind of lean into the art because you know that hey, I heard they give you like fifty grand or something. That's awesome, right? And and they do, um, and it's zero interest and it's awesome. Um, but here's the the thing that I realized the most: um, you need to find some relationships. And you need to learn how to, to really honor relationships, not just what they can get uh, what for you, but like what you can give to those people that you're trying to honor. Yeah. And find someone that you can honor that has, you have no, like, I don't want anything back. I just want to serve this person. I want to right. learn yeah. from them. I want to, to add value to them and, and, and watch the doors that open. It's a supernatural uh, phenomenon. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Yeah. And I think you've been in a, maybe a season, if you've been in a season where you felt like you've been used and abused in, in ministry, you, you work seven days a week, no one said thank you, you kind of just want, like, can, can someone just pour into me for once? You'll get that at the ark because we believe in you, and, and, and I'm telling you, yeah. Josh and Amy are a resource for, for pastors. They, they love pastors. They love what they can do. Josh could go start a church anywhere in the nation. And Josh and Amy would crush it. I know they would. But they choose to be a launch pad for other people's success so that God can use their gifts to, to launch other people. But here's what I would know. Find someone that you can just connect to because the relationships I got from Pastor Randy, yeah. the, the exposure of people I never would have thought, man, I just feel like seeing a life-giving church, being able to serve in that context, and then being able to say, yeah, here's what we're kind of going for. Yeah. Be around environment. So taking my team, taking my worship leader down out to Bradenton saying, hey, Get connected with our worship team. So it just opens up doors. So just continue to find relationships uh, and, and churches that allow you to like lean in. And, and um, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was invaluable. So good. Yeah. That's good. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, I didn't ask Mark to give that answer, but that's the exact answer I wanted him to give. Because I think that what he said is much more important than any of the strategies that we're about to talk about. We're going to give you 10 strategies for uh, a strong launch. Uh, but really, this is the strategy that these guys talked about, yeah. taking that time, uh, serving other people, being faithful. It, it really just does more for you in recruiting than you're aware of. That's why I want to take a little bit more time to talk about that. So, uh, But we'll switch gears now. We'll go into these 10 strategies. And um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the ARC process, let you guys know what we do for church planners, how it works. I'm also going to give you a peek under the hood, let you know how we're changing things for 2020. I'm very, very excited about that. And, uh, and then what we'll do is I'll go over three strategies at a time kind of talk about what we're teaching church planners, and I'll let these guys talk about um, how they use it. And I'll also, just to kind of prep you, I'd love to hear something unconventional you did to get people to your launch or to your team. I know you utilize a lot of influence to do that, and I'd love to just, you know, just throw something out there that maybe I'm not even thinking about. So, um, yeah, so they mentioned my wife, Amy, a lot. Uh, she is like the most popular person in the launch team, and I'm so jealous of it. Uh, it drives me crazy because what happens is is when uh, she's over the assessment and application part of our training, so uh, she gets to know everybody as they're coming through our process and gives them the thumbs up. So they're all big fans. Oh, there she is right there. Come on in, Amy. Come on in. Hey. I was talking about you. I mean, the timing 
of this. Come on now. It's almost like she knew, right? And so uh, she gets to know everybody in the process. She also has a photographic uh, memory or something close to it. This is for real. And so she, if you're in the process, she's going to memorize your kids' names, uh, different things that you're going through as a family. She's going to ask you about it, and you're going to be like, who is this person? Is she a, like a prophet? I think she is a little prophetic, but also she has something close to a photographic memory. So she memorizes everybody's names and, and gets to know them. I can't remember these guys' church's names, and I've been to his launch day, and I talk to Adam like once a week. So uh, that's where I'm at on the memory game, okay? It might be why people like Amy more than me as well. Who knows? Uh, so, uh, But once they come to the assessment the application, my job is to make sure they get the coaching, training, and resources they need to launch strong. So I'm very involved in that, and Adam helps a lot with the coaching. He teaches teaches for us and uh, coaches for us. And, you know, Mark, we'd love for you to, to coach whenever you're ready. So, uh, yeah. So, um, but that's, that's kind of what we do. And so what we, what we do for church planners is we, we focus on four things. We want them to, to one, is to discover if uh, ARC is a good fit for them. So what we do is we have this portion of our, of our website, uh, and really it's part of our training that we used to charge for, that we give away for free, and it's all from Chris Hodges. I don't know if you've heard of that guy. Uh, he's pretty awesome. Uh, so uh, pa- Pastor Chris gives his essentials for church planning. It used to be part of our paid training. We give that away for free so you can look and learn and see if this is for you. And if you, if you, if your baby leaps, you know, if you, if you're, if you're watching that and say, "Hey, this is my people. I've been looking for this." We, we want you to move forward. We don't want to. Uh, we don't want you to not be yourself with Ark. We know there's lots of different ways to to do this thing called church, and we know a lot of people are having success in different ways. We have a model that and a method that that we that we shoot for, and we want to find people that 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 can buy into that and believe in it. And so we give you a chance to kind of see if you're a fit for Ark. If you are, second thing is we invite you to apply, and then go through an assessment process. And what we do is we do that online to save you money. Okay. And so what we used to do is we used to bring church planners in, and they'd fly in, they would get a hotel, we would spend a couple of days with them, and then. You know, sometimes we'd have to tell people for their best interest, it's not best for them to move forward with art. So they would fly back with a no. I mean, it's heartbreaking, right? And so, like, man, I just paid $2,000 and I'm not moving forward. Now, I think the, the feedback was valuable because it helped them in their journey. But we just we wanted to say, how can we save the kingdom of God money? It's like, I think we could do a lot of this online. Yep. So we're going to look at three things, your money, your ministry, um, and your marriage. And those are the three areas that we're going to look for faithfulness. We're not looking for a perfect record. No, no, it's no perfect financial record. There's no perfect marriage, and there's no perfect ministry. We're looking for testimonies of God's faithfulness and you being faithful to what God's doing in your life in, in those three areas. And so we do that online, and you go through a review team. The review team is going to be made up of ARC pastors, ARC staff, and uh, we ask you to send us a little video, tell us about yourself, send us a speaking sample. And then if you're approved, you move forward to our training. And that's the third thing that we do is we train you to launch. And so w- when you're in the training part of ARC, uh, what we do, again, we used to bring you in person to train you, but we never got to know you. So we switched it up. And what we do now is what, what Mark was talking about in November um, is that we do give you the training online. And as you watch the training, you develop a unique launch plan for your church. And then you bring that launch plan when you come to our what we call an intensive. And then you show it with, you, you share it with your coach and you'll have a coach uh, that sits at a table with you and two, two, one or two others. And they give you feedback for three days on your launch plan. 
And the goal for that is for you to, to feel like we feel like it's able for us to give you a, a more high impact, in, uh, high touch environment and for us to really be more relational. Because before it was just like this, you know, we weren't spending time together. We put people in circles and we felt like it's leading to a, a lot better experience for everyone. Then once you move on past that, we provide some more coaching videos online for you to continue to watch. You'll have uh, conversations with your coach. And then you'll launch, and we try to give you uh, money to launch. We'll give you up to $50,000 to launch your church if you raise $50,000. We'll give you as little as $30,000 if you raise at least thirty. dollars So hopefully you're starting with at least a budget of $100,000. And then over the next six months, if you fall short on your budget, we'll help you meet your budget. So we'll give you up to an additional $20,000 in the first six months of your church. So you can focus on being sustainable. Now, our goal is not to launch megachurches. I know we kind of have that reputation, but that's, that's not what we're trying to do. We want to launch healthy, sustainable churches with yep. pastors who are ready to do it. That's what we're trying to do. And I honestly, you know, I, I think it's so, uh, it's sad, really, the pressure that is in ministry. But, man, I think if you have 300 people in your church, I mean, you're just living the dream, you know? It's like, what could be better than that? You know, if you get to 1,000 people, oh, my gosh, uh, this is like heaven, you know? And, uh, but that's, that's not the goal. The goal is for you to have a sustainable church. And what we, what we know, what we can do is we can help you get to a strong start. That's our commitment to you. What happens after that? Well, you're the one that said you wanted to plant a church, okay? <laughs> and, and, so, and so you're going to have to lead that church, but we're going to help you get to that start day. And we're making some changes, and I just want to take a minute to tell you because we're going to share today from some of the changes that we're making. And so for our intensive, what we've had is, uh, you know, we have 19, 18 years of church planting experience that's gone into our teachings and training, but we've just recently done a complete overhaul on that training. And what we had was 15 videos that you'd watch online, and each one had an assignment, not busy work, but something to actually prepare your launch plan to each of the 15 videos. And you'd have to prepare that before you got to the intensive. How was that experience for you? Probably not the best? It was like going to medical school. <laughs> that was pretty similar. And Adam, did you have to go through that? Or you were before that? Yeah, I just did a FaceTime with you and said, let's do it. Yeah. So uh, um, that's really what Pretty happened with Adam. So, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, man. So anyway, so it's a lot. So it's very comprehensive. And it is everything you need to know to launch a church. But what we realized was you're probably six months, nine months, or a year out from launching. You don't need to know everything before you get to the intensive. And so what we did was we actually added a lot of trainings. It went from 15 to 25 teachings. It's all finished. We're going to roll it out in 2020. Uh, so now you have 25 different teachings. It's way more comprehensive. It's way more connected. Uh, the language is the same all the way through. But what we did was is we're asking you to do less at each portion. So before you come to the intensive, instead of 15, assi- 15 teachings with numerous assignments for each one, it's only six. And so, come on, give Jesus right. a hand. Hey. God is good. Okay. Uh, so it's only six, and you, we're, we're only teaching you what you need to know to get to the intensive. And then we're taking some of the video content training, and we're now presenting that live to you at the intensive. Because some of this stuff, like the recruiting, you just can't miss it. you got to get it right. And we don't want you, you know, helping the kids, cooking dinner, flipping back between ESPN and, and pressing play on the video during the commercial breaks. We want you to zone in on a couple of these. So we, we, we do five or six of those at the intensive. And then we're going to do five or six after the intensive, and, and you'll work with your coach on those. And then now we're doing six months of post-launch training. And so now we're going to help you go at least six months, okay? Right. So I'm really excited about That's the awesome. changes. I, every, all the church planners we brought in to get feedback said they wish they had this. It's amazing. 
and, um, and, and we're, we can't look forward to um, serving you guys with that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, just kind of talk about three strategies real quick, and then I'm going to let them talk about how, uh, how that worked for them. And really, if you're going to plant a church, you have to have an outreach mentality for recruiting, period. Yeah. You're not using worship services to recruit people. You're creating environments to recruit people so you can build a worship service. And that is a paradigm shift that some people have a hard time making, yep. but it's significant. You're not using worship services to recruit people. You're, you're creating environments to recruit people so that team can build a worship service one day. That's yep, what yep. you're shooting for. And so what you're trying to do is, with our recruiting strategy, it's very outreach focused. Uh, what you're trying to, you're, you're, you've got all these cold leads in your city. We want to turn those into warm leads we want to turn cold leads into warm leads so you can know who's on your team to lead. Turn cold leads into warm leads so you can know who's on your team to lead. And I, I won't keep repeating myself over and over. That's the last time I'll do it, okay? But uh, that's, that's, what, that's what we're trying to do. And so you'll, some, some people say, I, I want to do this and that. And what, what happened was is we, we have these three basic strategies that we teach. And I was talking to pastors at the intensive. I remember even your intensive talking to some pastors. And they were saying, well, does that mean I have to stop doing everything else and just do these three things? I said, no, of course not. You know, you have to do these things, but if you only do these three things, you'll never be successful. You have to do more. And then I talked to a church planner who launched with about 600 people, just ridiculous. That almost never happens. And, uh, and he was, uh, and he was uh, sorry, talking to him and said, hey, man, what do you think some of your keys to success were? And he said, prayer. And I said, awesome. He's like, I was like, so what did that look like? He's like, well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, we had prayer meetings leading up to our launch. And he said, but I didn't know if Ark allowed that. I'm like, of course you can pray. You know, like, what are you talking about? Like, are we launching a church without prayer? He's like, it wasn't in the manual. And I was like, okay. And so then, and then I was like, it's like, you need to have prayer meetings, but you don't use prayer meetings as yeah, a recruiting strategy. Yeah. That's it. And they say, well, are we allowed to meet with our leaders? Of course. Yeah. But you're not using your leaders' meetings to recruit people. You, you, when people join your team, they're not joining your leadership team. They're joining your launch team. Yeah. But, you, but you're going to have leaders that you're working with. You're going to have people that you're going to walk the city and pray with. And there's some other things you're going to do. And so we just thought as a team, hey, why don't we put some structure around these things? People yeah. are already wanting to do them. We want them to do them. Uh, so let's give them some, some structure around it so they can do them well. And there's three things you need to know for a recruiting meeting. And basically, we're calling a recruiting meeting anything that gets people to join your launch team, okay? And so it may not technically be a meeting, but we're calling it that for simplicity's sake. So there's three things. Number one, it has to serve a specific purpose. So prayer meeting's purpose is not to recruit people. That's to intercede uh, you know, on behalf of your city to God so God will move. Ultimately, it's God who's doing all this. He's working on it. Uh, so we're going to do as much as we can. But ultimately, he's the one that decides how many people are there and how that all works. We're just going to do what we can by recruiting people. So it has to have a specific purpose. Two, it has to have a target audience. Who are you trying to reach? And if you don't know that, you're not going to create a great environment. And third, it has to fit into the larger launch plan. I hope I'm not taking too much time from you guys. Um, but what, what ends up happening is church planners hear about uh, things that other cool church planners are doing who are gifted and equipped to do these things, and they're trying to grab that that they're not equipped and gifted to do and just jam it into their plan because it worked for this guy and they saw the pictures on social media. Do not do that. Got a question? It's got to fit into the larger launch plan. Know where it fits in the larger launch plan. So what you don't want, you want to learn from other people, and that's, that's really what my job is, is I learn from these guys and I repeat it to other people and I, I figure out how to put it together. And so the three essential launch recruiting means that you're going to do three essential meetings. You have to do these if you're going to launch with ARC, and you should really do these no matter what if you're going to start a church, is uh, you need to do an intrasocial. 
You can call it a startup party. You can call it a launch party. You can call it a, an interest gathering, whatever it is. But we're going to talk about it more in just a second. You need to do an interest social. You need to have one-on-one -on -one meetings with people. And you need to have launch team meetings, okay? So what, and the way the flow works is this. is an interest gathering is the word I like to use. Startup parties has become more popular now. But interest gatherings is an environment where you, create, you invite people to hear more about your church, but you don't, it's not in a church environment. It's a social environment. It's going to have a theme. It's going to be fun. And you're going to get up for 15 minutes only and give your best pitch to join the team. Pass out cards. They're going to, they're going to sign. If they want to come to launch day, they want to join the team, or they'd like to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting to find out more, or whatever their level of interest in, they're going to get that back to you. And then what we're seeing now is guys are doing less interest meetings and they're only doing one a month instead of one every other week because they can focus on doing one really, really well. It, if you do it well, you're going to need two weeks just to follow up with people. And then from there, you follow up one-on-one -on -one with people and you, you call them, you meet with them, you grind it out. You go to the coffee shops and schedule 30 to 60 minute meetings you know, for a couple days a week at a coffee shop or for lunch and you meet with them and you recruit them. And I want you guys to talk a little bit about... Um, you know, the dynamic, the structure, the framework of those conversations, how you lead them. Uh, and then when you're in that meeting, the goal is to get them to join your launch team. Most church planners, if they can get people to that one-on-one -on -one meeting, they can get them on their team. Yep. And so you get them on the launch team, and then you have your launch team meeting starting about eight weeks out from launch. And that's where it stops being more fun theme and more like, hey, this is where you're going to put this chair. Hey, this is where we need you to serve. This is the culture of our church. This is what it means to be a leader. Yeah. And it's more of a teaching, and then you start your church. So those are the three essential meetings. Love for you guys to talk about your interest gatherings, how you did that, what that looked like. Talk about the framework, like how did you get people to buy in, like how did you lead that conversation, and maybe talk a little bit about your um, launch team meetings. So who, you want to go first? Who? Yeah, go first. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's awesome. Uh, I this would be something worth writing down. And I think that you have to, as, a, as a planner, you have to believe there's grace for every stage of the church. You have to believe it. Because um, every leg of it is totally different. Um, the interest parties is like a pep rally. Looking back at it, I'm like, God, thank you, those are over. Um, <laughs> did not. I feel like I'm good at pastoring. And what I felt like is I felt like I was trying to explain to Orange County that I'm a really good piano player. And I'm... Inviting you to a party that there's no piano. Right, right. It's like, hey guys, it's gonna be awesome. We got a great piano. It's gonna be an awesome concert, but there's no piano to show you that we play the piano. So and good. so it's it is a weird dynamic. And so, uh, but but you have to believe that there's grace for every stage of the church. Looking back on it, I'm glad I'm out of it. It's like junior high. Come on. But while you're in it, there was grace. And so I want to encourage you um, in that. But yeah, I, th I think a couple things that I would stress uh, that just looking back on what we learned is don't obsess over the success of your interest parties. Because what I learned was is interest in all the recruiting events that you do are, are mandatory and necessary. But it's weird how in the grand scheme of your church, uh, actually those meetings don't dictate what happens in your church when it starts. Yeah, it's good. They're, they're needed and they're required. But it was weird that we had people that were drawn to the interest meetings that weren't drawn to the church. Yeah. And there's people that were drawn to the church that never came to the interest meetings. And so I guess what I would say, you know, Rick Warren always says, don't focus on home runs, focus on base hits. Yes, absolutely. And so if you have 30 people show up one to one gathering, we had, I mean, we had as many as probably 70 people show up to an interest party and we had as little as like 17 people. And you can't let your uh, attitude and your confidence in God be dictated by how many people show up to your pep rally. Does that make sense? We're pastors. We're not pep rally leaders. Um, there's a grace for it when you do it, but I do think that when you get beyond it, just again, don't put your identity in that. 
Um, so that would be the first thing that I would say. Um, I think uh, this is something that I think, you, I, looking back, I, need to, I needed to believe this in regards to that season, is you have to believe that everything you need to get to the next point is within reach right now. So maybe you don't have the full access to the band, but there's probably one person that God's put in your world that might know somebody, or maybe they play the piano. And if you pastor that one person effectively, they'll introduce you to the piano player and to the drummer. So what I've learned is in this journey is that maybe you don't have everything within reach, but you have a piece of everything that you need to get to next that's currently within reach. Yeah, yeah. And if you'll just look around and go, okay, who are we not reaching out? Who are we not pastoring? Who have we not called, had coffee with, had dinner with? Because what I've learned is there's actually, God will always put someone in your immediate circle, even if your circle's tiny, like ours was when we moved to California, that if you'll actually mine out the resources that are within your reach, you'll find that actually, man, there's actually all the other things we're looking for are in the, in the people that we currently have access to. It's a weird dynamic. Uh, and you asked me, and this is just, I think this is worth noting, not just for the interest gathering stage, but I, I'm going to live this the rest of my life um, and just really simple. Uh, but whenever you meet with people, whether you're recruiting or after you start the church, really four things I'd encourage you to do is uh, the Holy Spirit gave me this kind of method. And I've been using it ever since. And uh, is I do four things when I meet with people is I inquire. Number one, inquire. We all know we've heard it said no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So find out who they are. Hey, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? How many siblings do you have? How long you've been married? Hey, what do you like to do? What are, your, what are you passionate about? When it comes to the church, what makes you excited? So find out who they are and what, what they're excited about. And what I've learned is everyone likes to talk about themselves. Hello, church. So if you're having an awkward meeting, just get them talking about who they are. Inquire. And then the second thing is encourage them. It's weird that your city is looking for people that will encourage them. And uh, I, think, I can't remember who said it, but one, one great scholar said that he who gives the most encouragement will always have the largest influence. So find people when you're meeting with them, find out who they are, and then begin to encourage. Man, that's awesome that you love singing. That's awesome you have a heart for choirs. That's awesome you have a heart for inner city youth. So inquire, encourage. And this is what this is where I think most pastors miss it. And this is instrumental, I think, in building your launch team and also in building your church. Cast a vision right after you inquire, right after you encourage them. Cast a vision on how who they are fits into what you're doing. <laughs> Amen. Cast a vision as to who they are and what they're passionate about, how it fits into the plan of where you're going. Man, that is amazing. Inner city youth, do you know that we have a passion to actually feed and clothe inner city youth? Man, I think you could be a big part of our launch team heading up that area. I think that, man, you could be huge in, in contributing that to Ocean's Church. So cast a vision as to where they fit into what you're doing. And then the last thing is just how can I be praying for you? So I just feel like if you'll inquire, if you'll encourage, if you'll cast vision, and if you'll pray for them, hey, this is how I'm praying for you and your family, um, that's a big deal. And then the last thing I'd encourage you to do if you're recruiting well is after you do those four things, finish the meeting because they're going to be pumped. You care about me. You encourage me. You actually showed how what you're doing is connected to who I am. And then you ask, you care enough about me to pray for me? Then this is what you do. The cherry on top of the meeting is, hey, who do you know? that I don't know that you could introduce me to. Who do you know that I don't know? Come on, I don't know anybody. I need friends. Come on, help me out. I just moved here. I don't know anybody in San Luis Obispo. I don't know anyone in Orange County. Hey, who do you know that I can meet? I would love to meet some of your friends. And then again, do the same thing when you meet them. Come on, inquire, encourage, cast vision, pray for them, and then finish it by 
Who do you know that I could meet? And so that's all I want. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Basically, just what Mark said. Uh, ditto. I mean, I think he hit on probably, there's about three or four points that I, I really, what he just said uh, about, because here's what's going to happen. You're all going to get, you're all going to have interest meetings. You're going to call them you know, startup parties, or you're going to have some super cool coffee shop. And, and, you know, you'll probably have 30, 40 people show up. We had about 40 something people, our first interest show, social. And, and what you're going to see is that people are coming, they're coming to kick the tires a little bit to see what, what's this guy all about? What, what, what's up yep. with them? But you're going to find that you're going to, you're going to draw some people and you're draw a di- couple different type of people. <laughs> You're going to draw some people that are genuinely looking for a church to call home. They're like, this is new. We just moved in the area. Uh, we saw your Instagram. We know some maybe mutual friends, uh, you know, Facebook kind of connections. And th- those are great. And then you're going to get some people that you have to, kind of, you have to vet because they've been burned by their last church. And the church before that wasn't using their gifts. And the church before that just wasn't yeah. seeing eye to eye on how they saw their gifts. And what you're going to see is that some people are serial church hoppers yeah. Yeah. and they're looking for a platform. And we say we don't give out titles at Active Church. We give out towels. So you got to be towels, not titles. Towels, like wipe down a towel. Jesus took, took, stood up from the table and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed his disciples' feet. So, so one thing that I think is really cool about interest socials is they draw a big, they cast a big net. But then when you meet with someone... That's where the magic happens. I saw, if I could get in front of you for, for 30 minutes, if I could sit down with you and find out what your heart breaks for, what your, where do you see, where is, if you had an yep. unlimited resource, unlimited time, unlimited energy, what problems would you fix in our city, in our community, what breaks your heart, what gets you excited? If I could find out what that was, I could cast and paint a picture and, pa- and paint a vision of a church that's going to help you reach your goals that that vision can live in this house. Yep. It's never about we're going to plant a church. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be like Hillsong. It's going to be so sweet. No, no, no. It's we have a desire to plant a church that's going to allow people just like you and I to use our gifts so that we can reach the world with the living with the message of the living hope of Jesus. That's what we're doing here. And I think God yeah. wants you to be a part of that. It's great. So one thing I would just say, number one, is uh, really as you this is if you're not if you're like a I don't know. A one on the Enneagram, if you're kind of an introvert or maybe you have a, a, a strong desire to plant a church, you have to lean into woo. You have to win others over. And guess what? When you do win them over, you have to have, now you have to have a plan and a compelling vision that's going to help you in ARC. We're going to help you get there. We're going to help you get to launch Sunday. Yep. Um, number two is as soon as you start building that launch team, you start having team, uh, team gatherings. You need to have some, uh, some plans and some standard procedures that you can hand people to say, here's what's going to look like when we have our next meetup. And I want you guys to be a part of that. So you need to have kind of a launch, you know, interest, kind of big net. But then you need to start building that team after you have those one-on-ones and you say, hey, help us for six months. I would ask everyone, hey, if you help me, for, if, help us plant this church. Help us get this church off for six months. Just commit six months from the start, from launch date until six months. And if, if, God, if it's not God, then you can take off after that. Just give us six months. And when we got a commitment for six months, we immediately added them to the Facebook team. So we'd celebrate them. We'd say, hey, man, Mark just joined the team. We're so excited. Hey, everyone help me welcome Mark to the team. There'd be a private Facebook group. And then immediately I'd give him purpose on that team. I'd say, hey, we need help. Here's a couple areas. And then I would commission them. I'd say, here's a, here's a procedure. Here's what we're doing. Can you help with this? And give them purpose real quickly. But um, building the launch team is, is really just big socials, one-on-ones, 
coffees, yeah. smaller meetings with leadership type yeah. people that have high capacity, and then just encouraging people really uh, to be what God wants them to be. So. I was, gonna, I was just going to say, if you're on a tight budget too, coffees are a lot cheaper than lunches. Come on. So if you are on a tight budget, if you're meeting with people, just do coffee meetings. It'll save you a lot of money. There you go. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about the next type of recruiting meeting. We're calling these valuable recruiting meetings, and there are meetings you should do, but not at the expense of the essential meetings. So the essential meetings, they have to go down. These are very valuable. You should do all of these, but they should never take priority over doing those three things because if you just do those really well, it'll, you'll lead to success. So uh, what we have in this category is three types of recruiting meetings. One is community outreach. You'll be surprised who, who will join your team when you decide to outreach to your community because there's a certain type of person yep. that that's what drives them. And if your church isn't doing that, they're not going to be a part. And so when you start to do community outreach, you also uh, accomplish a second purpose yeah. of recruiting. That's canvassing your community with who you are. So when you go and serve with no strings attached, uh, you're letting people know who you are before you start. You're showing them what kind of church you are before they have a chance to come and experience you in person. And so community outreach gives your team something to do. It's something tangible. It says shows them that you actually own a piano, even though they can't hear you play it, you know, maybe. And, uh, and, and, it, and it, it, it gains a lot of favor in the community as well. So that's a very valuable thing. Uh, we think you, if you're, you should sync up with Serve Day, uh, with ARC. We, we promote that all across the country. There's a lot of momentum and resources behind that. But if you're launching in, in January, the holidays provide a lot of opportunity for you to do outreach by just tagging on something that's yeah. already happening in your community. That's great. If your community's doing something for uh, uh, Halloween, God help us, okay? If they're doing something for Thanksgiving or Christmas, just show up and how can I serve? Can we pick up after the event for free? Can we set up a booth and give away some free t-shirts, okay? Uh, another type of meeting that's very valuable is a recruiting dinner. And uh, this is what Pastor Rick Bizet talks about this, where they just bake cookies and serve coffee. Again, if you're on a budget, and they just baked a ton of cookies and served a lot of coffee, invited three to five families over at a time or three to five people over, and just hung out with them and got to know them one-on-one. Yep. And sometimes you need to do that before they'll show up to an interest meeting. And sometimes you need to do that after an interest meeting, Absolutely. just to kind of invest in that relationship. And feel free to talk about the church at some point. Uh, but you're not selling them on the church the whole time. You're really not selling them at all. You're getting to know them, and you're connecting who they are to what you're doing so they can find their place to bring glory to God. And then finally, casual recruiting hangouts. And I've, I've heard of church planners doing this, but again, it has to have a purpose, has to have a target audience, and it has to fit in the larger plan. And so a casual recruiting hangout is an environment, again, where someone may not be comfortable. Let's say you get to know the person at CVS where you pick up your prescription, and they're not ready to come to the interest meeting. What you say is, hey, some of us from the church, we're getting together to go play top golf. Our church is paying for it. We'd love for you to come. And you just play top golf, and you're hitting the ball, but you're not trying to win. You're just going and talking with people uh, in the different booths and finding out more about them. And this does a lot for your team as well because your team needs those opportunities to gel before launch day to, so they can understand each other's personalities so they don't get their feelings hurt when someone is, a, is, a, is an Enneagram 8 or a D personality and they're barking out orders, uh, you know, and, the, and then you got the, the SI personality or the Enneagram 3 that they're all, their feelings are all out of whack because they're not worshiping the ground that they walk on, you know. And, uh, and so not that you require that Adam at all, but uh, you know, and, and and it helps your team gel. So that's that's really really important. And uh, I don't know that maybe one of those uh, you guys want to talk about. Just pick one so we can move along. Is there anyone that that you guys did? No. Uh, well, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, you know, 
I love what you said that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I think it's really good when you're starting. You're just like, you ever seen those videos of like skiers or snowboarders and there's like those giant avalanches they trigger and they're going as fast as they can to not get swallowed by snow? That's kind of what church planning feels like. Um, and so you don't have a lot of extra time to, uh, to, to, to think of like, hey, what's a great outreach ministry? We can start from the ground up. Right, right. Uh, I love what Josh said. Find churches even in your city and even ministries in your city that are already full swing running. Uh, so for us, our very first year, we started in September and we joined a Calvary Chapel. They do a food uh, feeding on Thanksgiving and we hopped on board with Calvary Chapel. We helped feed 5,000 families. Um, and so we brought a team of like 35, 40 people from our church. And on Thanksgiving, was it Thanksgiving morning, Joe? I think it was. Uh, Thanksgiving morning, we helped. We just were in this big, giant building. And we were like, I scooped like my hand was bruised <laughs> from scooping mashed potatoes. Uh, and so, uh, we, again, we didn't, we, didn't, uh, we didn't start anything. We just yeah. found out who was already doing something and how can we go and just support it. Yeah. And it really blessed that church because we brought extra 30 people. I think we brought some money. I think we helped pay for some, some of the food our, ourselves. But, but again, just to bring a, a load off your shoulders, don't feel like you have to reinvent serving your city. Figure out food banks. We just did a peanut butter and jelly drive with a, a large uh, food ministry pantry in South Orange County. And they're like, they, they feed a lot of homeless people. And they said that peanut butter and jelly, smaller size containers – and is one of the, the greatest things they need because it just goes off the shelves in these food banks. And so our church, we just we brought like we brought like tons of peanut butter and jelly, and uh, it was awesome. So find people that are already doing it and just champion what they're doing. Don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, so good. That's no, good. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So uh, we'll go into uh, the third type. I'll give you three on this one as well. And that's the non-essential recruiting meetings. These are meetings that you do not need to do to have a great launch, but. Let's say that you're at capacity and you're, you're already having a lot of momentum and success in these other areas and you want to invest in something else. We wanted to give you all a couple things to do. And the, the first one is a vision gathering. And this is something you would even do before you move to your city. If you've been serving at a church for a long time and you have the pastor's blessing, maybe in this, your target audience in this one is actually believers instead of unbelievers. You give the vision of your church. You share that they, they are coming to hear about your church. You ask them to give or connect you with people in the city or join your team. Yep. And this is something you're doing with people you already know. So let's say that uh, you you did a you were in youth ministry in Dallas for a season. Then you might go to Dallas and do a vision meeting in Dallas right. and at someone's house and. You know, you hang out like a typical small group and then you share with what your church. Maybe you play a guitar or something there or have someone do that. Uh, that that's perfectly fine. That doesn't exist once you move to your city because now you're, you're losing the outreach focus. It, it's not fulfilling that purpose. It doesn't fit in the plan there. But it's something that you would do in an area where you already have existing influence. So we want to offer you all some structure on that uh, when you come through ARC. You'll hear more about that. Uh, did you, any of you guys do anything like a vision thing? I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did a... Uh... Yeah, we just did a quick, uh, like a one night, we rented a facility, it was a beautiful outdoor venue, and we invited, you know, it was like a nice dinner, we invited everyone to, and this is something really important that you have to get the, you know, the blessing of your current pastor, uh, don't, don't divide the house, right, um, and uh, we just invited people to come and show up that loved us, and that we loved, and, and uh, we got the blessing, we, 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 we did the ask, we pray, give, go, um, and uh, I think so oftentimes, um, can I just tell you something real quick? If I could go back, stop letting the enemy mess with you in your mind before you even ask someone to be a part of what God's doing. People have, do you realize 
that when you do a good job of serving people and loving people with the love of Jesus that he's put in you, and then you are now going out to be a part of what God wants to do next, and people sow into you and you show them what you've done, people want to give to leaders like that. So stop being afraid and go, what if they don't want to do? Guess what? If they don't want to, they won't. And the people you think that will sometimes don't, and the people you never thought, just ask and be faith-filled. God's going to fill that. He's going to fill the storehouse. I promise. Yeah. Very good. So um, another one that you can do, and again, you should only do this after you've got everything else rolling, uh, is a worship gathering. And a, the purpose of a worship gathering, a lot of people call them worship nights. Did you do I'll that? I'll speak to that in a minute. Okay, yeah. yeah. So uh, you, you, you really just do one. You're not doing church services. But what you do is you maybe get, uh, if you have a connection to a quality worship Band, okay. Yeah. So you're not pull, you're not pulling this together randomly and putting something out there for everyone that that's not going to be excellent. So if you're trying to recruit a worship team, maybe there's a church in the area that will come out. Maybe your home church will send people, or maybe you're moving with the quality group because because you've invested in people and they're there, and you can create the right environment. Then you have a worship night. That's going to bring creatives. It's going to bring worship people. And then what you do is you give the same 15 minute pitch that you would give at the interest gathering. You just give that, and then you try to sign people up to be part of the band and to join the team so again not essential right if you can do it and you have the right 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 connections to make it happen uh do it but if not don't worry about it you don't you don't need it to launch yeah and just to speak to that real quickly we didn't do any uh we did worship gatherings with our team uh in intimate more like living room type settings and i think what you do when you have unless you can pull it off with excellence even when you pull it off with excellence I think what you're doing is you're giving, you're kind of showing your cards on the one thing that you have when you move into a city to plant, which is you're going to have a grand opening, a launch Sunday. No one knows what you're at, what you're doing, and people want to know, Let's, what are they doing over there? And when you can have a Sunday to put your best foot forward, to make a first impression, you get one chance. Sometimes I've seen it work great for people to have a worship night, but sometimes I'm like, I think, unless you're Jabin Chavez, yeah. <laughs> I just don't know if that's going to always be the best way to build a team that's going to reach people that are far from God. I think sometimes your best bet is to work hard at building the local team, work hard at building people that are going to really, um, you're going to equip, and then have that launch Sunday being your very best foot forward. So just work, good thought. Okay, and then the last uh, non-essential meeting would be a creative gathering. And you might call it creative night or whatever. And again, you want to recruit creative people to be on your team to help you create environments and create social media posts and to take photos and, and help drive that. And so you want to, you know, maybe you, 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 you do something in downtown where people can take photos. You do something like that. You have some of your creative people there. And you're looking for people who are going to be active on social media and you can connect with them. Again, serve some free food, free coffee, give your pitch have some of your other creative team there because you're going to need creative people but again not not essential and then i'd say the most important recruiting strategy for last and these guys have talked about this extensively already and that's your personal invite and uh, you know it's it's something that i think is is the most significant way you're going to get people to join your team right it's not by telling people to invite people it's by you sharing the vision and we think it's really good to have three different types of pitches ready to go at any moment. That's a 60-second invite. That's your elevator pitch. That's if you're in line at Starbucks and, and you ask someone's name, they ask yours, you ask them what they do, and they say, what do you do? You say, oh, my name's Mark. We just moved to Orange County, my wife and I, uh, to start Ocean's Church. And we want to create a place where people can belong and find a purpose because we believe when they do that with God at the center that great things happen. I'd love to tell you more about that.
period. Just stop talking, okay? And then uh, what you do with that, you, you, you're going to make that ask over and over and over again. And so we train church planners to really master that and have it down so at any moment they can just spit it out. And what you do in that moment is it's not that you can't be spiritual, but you can't say God told us to launch a church because that means nothing to them. Yep. Okay, you got to give a felt need. You got to get the vision of the church. Yeah. You got to speak to uh, what, what what would interest them about it, and then you have to actually make the ask. And you know you you got to get that down because you're going to do it over and over yeah. and over again. Hopefully, yeah. okay. Then the third personal invite is going to be your 15 minute pitch. In your yeah. 15 minute pitch, you're going to give some vision. You're going to talk about the strategy. You're going to talk about art being behind you. But you're also going to do an emotional hook. You, you got to people, their hearts, they, that's what they're going to respond. They, they want to know the why. Yeah. And so highly suggest the book Start With Why by Simon Sinek. At least Google his TED Talk and watch that. And that's how you're going to frame up that. You're going to share. You're going to start with uh, why they should be a part, why they should be interested in this, and then why yeah. you're a part. And then you need to have that personal invite that you can stretch out over an hour conversation of 30 minutes with them um, over coffee. And we've talked about that in great detail. You know, we're approaching the, uh, the time here, but would you give us five more minutes? Anybody give us five more minutes? Nobody? Okay, I see five, 10, 15, 20, 35, 30, 35 minutes more we got. Okay, so um, we'll end. I wanted to do Q&A, but I think these, I didn't want to stop them. They were just sharing some great stuff. Um, you know, you just always got to be recruiting, like Adam said. You got to believe what you're doing is the most amazing thing yeah. someone can do, and it truly is. And, you're, and you got to start thinking like this. I'm not... I'm not putting something on someone asking them to join the team. I'm not making it uncomfortable. I'm giving them the opportunity to be a part of something that can change their life and yep. change the lives of others for eternity. Let them make the decision whether they're going to be part of it or not. Yeah. And I've seen some of the church planning uh, recruiting lists that church planners come up with, and they're pretty audacious at times. I'm thinking, God, why, why would he think to ask Pastor Dino to join his launch team? Like that's kind of <laughs> kind of crazy. Well, he he truly believe you know that's just an exaggeration. But you got to believe that you're giving them an opportunity. Just let them know. Let them make the decision, okay? You really think, think of it like I'm doing you a favor by letting you know about yeah. this awesome thing, okay? And I truly think Absolutely. it is. But I, I wanted to wrap up. Uh, you know, I wanted you to share uh, just one unconventional thing. And then, um, Adam, we talk a lot about this. You're a big proponent of the, of the launch day and keeping that where it is. Uh, but also, if you could share uh, about city momentum yeah. and the difference between that and bringing people with yeah. you. So yeah. maybe one unconventional thing you did that worked? You got something? I'll think about it while he's answering okay. his question. Okay. Yeah. So um, we launched in a city that we really didn't know anybody when we moved there. And so we had about six to seven months to really get uh, momentum. Um, our our ch- church that we came from was like, hey, it was kind of the y'all go ahead uh, ministry. And so... <laughs> you know, we'll pray for you. And the last Sunday I was there, they told everyone, Hey, Adam's leaving. He's going to go plant a church, uh, pray for him. God bless you. And it was literally like, I couldn't tell anybody. So it was kind of like that moment of like, okay, God, that this next season has to work. It has to work. And, uh, desperation sometimes creates innovation. And, And when you don't know anybody and it has to work and you're betting the farm and and uh, we, we like did the whole thing, empty 401k, like, like our, we sold a house in Vegas. I mean, we gave up a lot, but we believed in it. And I think when you believe in it, here's, I'm going to give you a, a, an encouragement and a caution. The encouragement is this. When you come to a new city that God has already ordained people to be part of your team, 
So don't feel like you have to bring 15 of your closest friends or your buddy's little brother and that, his girlfriend and they're all going to come. We're all going to build a team and then go. Don't feel like you have to do that. We didn't know anybody. And on launch Sunday, we had a full worship team and I don't play worship. So I was like, God, please don't let me get up there and try to play GCD on the guitar. That's all I know. <laughs> GCD. We can sing every Chris Dahlman song. <laughs> People are waiting to join your launch team in that city that you're going to. So here's what you do. You're just looking for them. Start with locals. Locals give you momentum into the city. They give you keys yeah. that you don't have into relationships. Yeah. Like Mark saying, hey, who do you know that I don't know? Man, I'm brand new to OC. Who do you know? When you take that posture, it forces you to be outside of your own comfort zone. It forces you to introduce yourself to people you don't know. And it gives you the ability to connect with new people. Now, here's what it also does. When you start building momentum, you start having that launch team grow, people are going to want to join it. And here's what I tell people. If you have someone that's plugged into a church, you say this, hey, I would love for you to be a part of this if you feel like this is what God's wanting you to do. But let me, can you do me a favor? Will you talk and talk to your lead pastor about this or talk to whoever you report to at your church and pray about it. And if you get their blessing, then I would love to have you on this team. But if they don't, if they say no, then please, I would love for you to stay where you're at. That's good. That's God will honor that heart every single day of the week. It's great. And there's been times where I've, I think God's protected us even when some, that's happened to us a couple times. And I've had conversations with other pastors and I've gotten to share this with uh, as a testimony to other pastors that are planting in our community. They say, hey, man, I know it's easy. I know you have some people you want to lean into, but make sure you honor, lead with honor. And I think God's honored that in the way that we've been leading and it's been good. So yeah. I'm going to say one thing about that before yeah. I give it to Mark. So, um, with, with people from other churches, I heard a church planner add another layer to that. What they do is before they ask them that question or give them that, they say, where do you go to church? And they'll say, oh, we go to Eastside Church. And they say, who's the awesome. Who's the pastor there? <laughs> yeah. And if they're like, uh, uh, <laughs> they're like, we'd love for you to be on our team. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. Cool. They're, not, they're not going they're to that church. Okay? Okay. <laughs> but if they say, we go to Eastside Church and say, who's the pastor? And they say the pastor's name. Then they're like. Then they go into that, and then they say that whole deal. Absolutely. So yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah, it's good. It's good. I love that, which I think that is an unconventional thing that I would just even run with, is I think that desperate people attract desperate people. Confident people attract confident people. Integrous leaders attract integrous people. So if you want to attract high-caliber people, then you have to be a high-caliber, integrous leader. And so I just really, you know, that would be something I think we did, is we just like – don't appear to be like, hey, please come to our church. If you don't come, or you know, we're we're screwed and we're going to hell. And, um, if if you can, you just go look. Like, and I think this is the this is kind of the I think people quality people are attracted to people that know where they're going. They know why they're going there. And so these are just things that maybe worth worth answering. Even as as Josh was saying, you're queuing up your your elevator elevator pitch. I think it's important really quickly be able to tell people who you are really fast who you are, where you're going, why it matters that you're going there, and what difference it's going to make. That's so good. If you can lock down those four things when you're sharing with people, and again, you're coming from an integrous point of view, and this is my favorite thing to do in the beginning of the church, because I think some people, when they hear you're a church planner, they almost expect you to be so desperate that they're like, you're going to try to like force yourself onto them. I think one of the greatest things you can do is just to, just just always serve and love people with confidence. Yeah. Like, hey, this is who we are. This is what we're. This is where we're going. This is why we're going there. 
this is the difference it's going to make in, in Orange County. If you feel like this is where if God wants you to be a part of this, praise God. But if not, man, it was awesome having coffee with you today. I hope you enjoyed your latte. Yeah. And, and again, if you can leave with just a confidence, I think that you're going to attract confident people. I love it. So. Awesome. Can we give these two amazing pastors a hand? We hope you enjoyed this session from the Art Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations and to register for an upcoming art conference, visit artconference.com.